So it, it's, it's good to be here, and thank you so much for having me. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, Jeremiah 29.11. Have you ever heard of that verse before? Yeah, I, you know, I have to admit that I had, um, uh, when I left the first church that I was at, I received a sailboat that was on marble, and it is silver, and it has that text on it, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And it's something that, I don't know if you have used it this way, but I, I use it to encourage my friends, hey, God has a plan for you, don't worry, it's all going to work out, and um, we don't know where God is going, but he has plans for you, and, and he has those plans to prosper you and not to harm you. But I think that a greater understanding of the context in which that verse was actually said gives more power to the text because we forget to tell the story and the reason that it was said. I have um, recently um, been spending a little bit more time with uh, some elementary school girls. My boyfriend has um, two young daughters, one is 10 and one is eight. And it has been a brand new experience for me dealing with them um, uh, and, 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 and realizing how trivial things just bring tears to their eyes when they can't have it. Um, the other day they asked for some ice cream, it was a specific humongous Klondike bar. And um, I was there as their dad said, no, not today. And they, one of the girls stormed off and went into the living room with tears in her eyes because it was the end of the world that she couldn't at that very moment have a Klondike bar. My mother laughs and says, oh Josie, I'm so glad that the Lord is repaying you. <laughs> I thought I was a saint until she began to recall the stories of my own uh, moments of growth. And um, I think she's actually getting a kick out of it, to be honest. Um, but as we, as we um, read about when God says no, um, I hope that there are moments in your own life where the Holy Spirit, not me, but God speaks to you about what it means to hear his answer when it's not what you want. Let us bow our heads for prayer. Our Father God, help us as we are on a journey to a better life. And give us the strength to be able to hear your no's, your reprimands, and your teachings, we pray all these things in all God's people said, amen. Jeremiah talks about this guy who's a prophet, and his name is Jeremiah, and this book is written after him, and Jeremiah had a tough life. You see, God had given him over and over again the task of telling the people of Israel that they are going to be punished for the lifestyle that they had been living. When the people of Israel had been taken out of Egypt, they had wandered uh, the, the desert for 40 years and finally enter into the promised land. And they say that they will do everything that God has told them to do. They will not worship idols, they will not do things that uh, break apart community, but they will live in harmony and in glory to God. But after these many years, 
we realize that the generations have passed and even that first generation never really kept that promise. And so Jeremiah has the task of telling people if we don't change, if we don't change from placing ourselves in center stage to then giving that position back to God, this is what's going to happen. We will be taken from this land and we will be given into the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar and we will go to Babylon. And over and over again he tells them until, until shortly after it turns to this is what will happen. Slowly the dispersion begins and people are taken from their land into the land of Babylon and, and Jeremiah stays behind and continues to tell people, you will go and you will be servants to King Nebuchadnezzar, someone who is not like us, but this is something that God has decreed. And finally, towards the end, Jeremiah is struggling amongst another prophet that says, in two years, all of those who had been dispersed will be brought back and we will rebuild our city and we will... Have you ever done that? Where something isn't going the way you want it to and then all of a sudden you, you see a glimmer of hope and you say, oh, it's all going to work out the way I thought it was going to. It was just a test. Almost as if we have to experience life the way we intend it to go. And if it doesn't go the way we thought it would in our mind, then God is not sovereign. But the sovereignty of God, the rulership of God, the goodness of God is that he doesn't think like us and that he knows that there are things that are better for us that we don't have the ability to even fathom to even think about and so and so God says this isn't for your own good I'm going to take you out of this place that you're comfortable in and I'm going to remove you from this place. I'm going to take you to a country where you don't know the language. You don't know anything. You, they probably have fruits you've never heard of. And they have this culture that's so different. And I want you to be in that land. And I want you to worship me even if you're not where you want to be. And so in Jeremiah 29... Starting at verse 4, it says this. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your son and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease. I'm just gonna stop for a second right there. That is something that is supposed to remind us 
of two other instances in the Bible. One, the very first one, is uh, something that God told Adam and Eve to multiply and increase in number. And it is also something that happened to the people in Israel when they were in Egypt, from the people of Israel, they were in Egypt, and the number of, of um, Israelites was so big, they multiplied and they increased in number, almost as if that very phrase says, may people see that I will bless you by your growth. And when you multiply and when you increase in number, it is by my spirit that you are growing. It is a divine promise. Multiply and increase in numbers, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find welfare. I don't know if you've ever been taken out of a place and put somewhere else, whether it's like a, a merger from a job or whether you had to change schools all of a sudden or you had to go to your aunt's house when you thought you were going to be with your parents or you, know, you, you thought you were going to be spending time with your kids and your grandkids and then you find out you're babysitting someone else's kids that you've never met before. And you're in this place and you don't really want to be there and it's not really their fault. But oh, how I want to take it out on them. How I want people to know that this is not where I want to be. And Jesus is saying, or, or the, the Spirit of God is saying through a letter that was sent, build a home in a place that is not your own. And when you're not in the place where you want to be, at this particular time, I want to teach you something. And so wherever you are, plant roots there until I tell you to move. It is a difficult thing when God takes us from our places of comfort and says, this isn't good for you. You aren't coming into a deeper relationship with me because of where you are. I'm going to uproot you and take you to a place that you won't want to go. And then I'm going to ask you something so difficult. I am going to ask you to start building a home there. I'm going to ask you to pray on behalf of the people that surround you, even when you're not surrounded by the people you want to be surrounded with right now. Even though this place is strange, even though you don't understand the language, I want you to pray on their behalf that this place is blessed because you are there. And when they prosper, you prosper. For thus says the Lord of hosts in verse 8, The God of Israel, do not let the prophets and diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie, and they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, says the Lord. 
And there were these prophets, again, those prophets that said, in two years, and then two years would pass. Oh, it's just two more years, and then two years would pass. In just a year, we'll go back to what we wanted to, but I don't know about you, I've experienced God not as someone that talks and complains about going back, but a God that says move forward in a new direction, even though your past helps you understand who you are and why you are the person you are right now, I want you to continue moving forward. I can sometimes get so stuck in the past and I get so scared about the future that I start getting mad at God that the past never worked out the way it was supposed to. And God is commanding these people, move forward, keep moving, and realize that if you are in relationship with me, sometimes you understand that I will ask you to do things that make you uncomfortable that I will ask you to live in places where you do not want to live, and I will ask you to pray on behalf of the communities that you are in so that they might see that because you are there, they are blessed. Because you are faithful and growing in your relationship with God. Because, Josie, you are faithful to me and you are struggling with me. And, Josie, you may not like it, but we're talking about it and we're getting through this journey together. Once we get to the end of the road, you will look back and not say, I wanted it this way. But you'll look back and go, oh, God, I get it. I get why this situation didn't work out. I get why I didn't get that job. I get why I had to let this person go. Oh God, I, what you had planned for me was so much better. The journey of growth is not one that is easy. Because at some point in time, we have to take the knowledge that we have and say, this was good for a time, but it's not good for right now. Or you take that knowledge that you have and expound on it. But every time we grow, for those that have young kids, and they go through these growth spurts, do you remember the fevers? And they kids they like get this fever and they like want to sleep all the time and and they go through these gr gro gro growth spurts and suddenly their pants look like high waters and it's painful and for some of us when God calls us to grow that means that sometimes we have to admit that we were wrong and that's painful how many of you like saying I was wrong and going up to someone and apologizing and say, I was wrong, I messed up, I did this? I know I don't. And yet through this journey to a better life, sometimes it means discarding the old. And I think of a, a snake, we used to have a snake, I went to Orangewood Academy and we had this snake called Cornflake and he was a corn snake. And he got his name because people kept thinking that, he, that that's the type of snake he was, was a cornflake as opposed to a corn snake. And so they just ended up calling him cornflake. And every now and again, cornflake 
would shed his skin because he was growing. And you'd see this old, almost skeleton-like, dried skin of his length and how big he was and all this stuff. And, and, and then he would grow, and the next one would be longer, and the next one would be just a little bit longer. And it doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. The journey to a better life never ends when we do it with Jesus. We're constantly growing. We're constantly changing. We're constantly learning something new. And if we're not learning something new, then we're complaining about other people. And so when I find myself in a place where I'm complaining about everyone else, I have to remind myself that there are places of growth that I need to concentrate on so I can leave those people alone and start working on myself. And for thus says the Lord in verse 10, for thus says the Lord, only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future and hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. I will hear you when you search for me. You will find me if you seek me with all your heart. I don't know about you, but I know that for me in my own life, there have been times where my heart has been split between God and a job, or God and a friend, or a family member, or God and someone I'm dating, or God and, and whatever where I want to go, a trip. And whenever that has happened, I feel like God gently nudges me over <laughs> to remind me, even when I place myself in center stage, that there's nothing I can do, or my friends can do, or my family can do, or my spouse can do, or my kids can do, or my grandkids can do, that can never fulfill me the way Jesus can. And when times get tough, because they will. Whoever told us that being a Christian means life is not hard was a liar. The only difference is that when we start to allow ourselves to struggle with God, how we respond is the thing that changes. Our recovery time, our, our bounce back time gets shorter. I was talking with someone once about the lament of the people of God and how sometimes we get this concept that if we are a Christian, that we're not allowed to be sad. And we talked about the Psalms and how the psalms that we read are, bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy day. But most of them, a majority of them, 
are, why, oh God, have you allowed this to happen to me? Why have you handed me over to my enemies? God, my heart is full of sorrow. And in the middle of this well-known text, people are depressed. They're sad. They're ready to give up. They feel powerless. Everything has been stripped from them, and nothing is going right. And isn't it wonderful when everything in life seems to be going downhill when that one friend says, but that joy in the Lord and that sense of even if you think about murdering someone, you kind of commit that to God and say, I, I want to kill him a little bit. <laughs> I, have, I have this, my best friend, we, we joke around a lot and I don't know if this is an appropriate joke, but you know, we always like, when somebody says something like really smart, we'll say, I'll kill you. And um, you know, I've known her since we were like 16 years old and she uh, recently just had her second son. But when she had her first son, um, I was visiting them. Um, they, they live in, uh, up north. I was visiting them up north. And um, her son tapped me on the shoulder and he said, Auntie Josie. And I'm like, yeah. He said, I'll kill you. <laughs> and then we all started laughing, and she embarrassedly said, don't say that. But it's really hard to get those mixed messages where it's so funny, but you're not supposed to say funny stuff. Um, uh, I, there are these moments where you know, people say things, and it's just like, that's just not helpful. Like, people try to be helpful, but being helpful isn't stop feeling what you're feeling and feel a way that makes me feel more comfortable. Don't cry because I don't like it what you cry and I don't know what to do, but it's not about me. And yet God is saying to these people, I know you don't want to hear this right now, but build houses and let other people prosper in the midst of your sorrow and pain. And God doesn't say, so stop feeling sad. God says, in the midst of your sadness, I want you to know that I know the plans I have for you. And you may not feel them right now, but they are, pro they are, they are, they are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. They're, they're plans to give you hope. And I know you don't have right, hope right now. They're plans to give you a future. And I, I know you feel like you don't have a future. But if you just stick with me, I'll give you more than you could have ever imagined. And really, I'm going to put you in a place where you have no other option than to cling to me. And know that I am the one that brings you through. That I am the one that is faithful to you. That I am the one that will never leave you. That I am the one who when you think I am quiet and have abandoned you, if you look back in your life, you will realize that those are the moments where I wasn't, may not have been standing right next to you because I was out getting ready for you to get your next blessing. 
But if you keep your eyes to the ground and never forward, you'll miss what I have for you. For I know the plans I have for you. And the whole purpose of this is, I feel like the whole purpose of all that he says, it says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. Not because I didn't hear you before, but because you weren't talking before. And then, when you search for me, you will find me if you seek me with all of your heart. I will let you find me, says the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back to a place from which I sent you into exile. I spent the last year at Tampa General Hospital working with families who have lost their loved ones. Many of them suddenly, tumors, aneurysms, car accidents, heart attacks, Even for those who had to deal with family members that had terminal illness, there's nothing that you can do to prepare yourself to say goodbye. And though there are some of us here who have over the years lost our loved ones, a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, People who tell you life goes back to normal don't know much about death. Because life is never the same, and normal is a new normal. It's different. And for those of us who had to say goodbye to friends, because we moved to a different state, or, or we went to a different school, or they left, or we left, or whatever the reason, whatever the case is. Now imagine having those losses tenfold. People lost in war, for those of us who have lost loved ones. Those of us who have lost them because of sickness, and then on top of that, we're moving, and then on top of that, we're changing jobs, and it, it, it's said that some of the biggest stresses in our life are, are family changes, divorces, breakups, are moving from one state to another, moving from one house to another, moving jobs, moving um, any type of movement is so high stress, and there are some of us that have experienced like these high stress situations, losing a job, and, and then having like, if you're losing a job and having to move and losing a spouse or a loved one, and then you're, and then you're having to move from one job to another, or you're having to, 
and, and life is in so much turmoil. You're, you're going from being a student to suddenly going into the professional field and you're having to, to do job interviews and you're waiting for God to send you to wherever you need to go or just get an offer. And think of yourself in the place in which you were the most stressed out. And you're beginning to feel what it feels like to be placed in exile. Each and every one of us has an exile of our own. One we're either going through or one that we have experienced in our own life. And God says, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your sorrow, in the midst of the uncertainty, I know the plans I have for you. I am going to prosper you, but we've got to stick together. And this is the journey to a better life, staying with me in the midst of the turmoil and trusting that I love you enough not to leave you. May God be that gracious voice in your head, in the depth of your spirit. And may God affirm the things that he wants for you in the midst of your sorrow through the community that you have here. And may we be a part of the healing in someone else's life. May we bring words of encouragement while we're all journeying to a better life. God has things to work on all of us, doesn't he? I know there are certain things that God is working on with me. And if God is working so hard inside of me, then I have to trust that God is doing that to the person on this side of me and on that side of me and in front of me and behind me and the person where I just want to say, I'll kill you. <laughs> and I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what pains your heart has. But in the depth of the places, in the depth of our soul, that are, that, that those places where we only can kind of whisper to God about, because we know that if we whisper to God about it, he won't tell anyone else. But in the places where we lock with bolts and the places that we wrap around in chains so that no one knows what we're going through. May God be with you in the midst of those places and bring healing in your life. And may we have the courage and the strength to entrust those things to God because I tell you what, there's nothing worse than feeling like there's nothing you can do to make it better but to wait on God. But if I'm faithful enough if I trust God enough to let him do that. I know he won't ever leave me. And when I look back in life, I'll be so glad to know that now I can see how God was working. May he bless you now and forevermore. Amen.